Good morning, baseball fans. It is a Sunday, January 7th. I'm not going to wish you a happy new year because apparently the moratorium on wishing people happy new year is much shorter than a weekend. So no happy new years to y'all. Uh, so this is episode, I think 53. I don't know about that. I'm not positive. So don't quote me on that, but this is episode 53 of bourbon and baseball. I'm Susie. That is Kelsey. And, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna get going and we've had some hot stove stovings, but first we're going to tell you about the, um, about our 40 man finds. So if you guys are new to the channel, the 40-man find is basically any guy on the 40-man roster of any of the teams that, obviously, of all of the baseball teams that we just kind of like, that maybe a cool guy that we would probably like to hang out with, be friends with, be buddies with, grab a drink with. Um, not so much like we want to date or anything like that, because that's just weird. Um, but maybe, maybe, maybe a superstar. Maybe not a superstar. Maybe somebody just like to a... keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. So we are going worst to first. This episode, our guys are from the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cleveland Guardians. Used to be Indians. And um, if I was a professional, I would tell you, you know, who next week's guys are. But I'm not a professional and I'm not going to do that. So don't spoil it. Yeah. Just the, it. the anticipation is, is what's going to bring you we have to tune in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the way that we broke this up is Kelsey is going to do all of the AL teams and I am going to do all of the NL teams, uh, basically because our favorite teams are from the opposite sides. And right. so we decided, you know what, that, you know, it'd be cool if we learned about other guys from other leagues, because, you know, I'm more familiar with AL. Kelsey's obviously more familiar with NL. So we decided to switch. So today's guy is, drum roll. I don't know if you could actually even hear that, but that's okay. I can hear uh, it. And I was, when I was like looking at the Pirates 40 man, I was like, oh, there's so many. Yeah, there's, there's so many guys lot. that I was like, oh, maybe I'm like, should I, should I go with the standard? Should I talk about Kutch? But I couldn't because everybody knows Kutch, right? Um, so I was like, okay, fine. I want to do Andrew McCutcheon. And then I was going to stay in the whole vein of like Asian pride and be like, okay, like G1 Bay. But in the whole vein of, we're really not going to promote, you know, trash bags. Uh, G1 Bay apparently has uh, multiple domestic violence things yeah. against him. And so I was like, son of a bitch. Why? Not great. Pass. <sighs> I forgot to give you guys the radar warning. Sorry. Sorry, guys. I let a cuss word slip. Yeah, before we get into this. Yeah. <laughs> before we get into the whole uh, actual episode, I'm going to give you the rated R warning. This show is rated R, not for the adult content in the way that you're thinking. Not normal, quote unquote, online adult content. No, no. Uh, just for the four letter words. Okay. Just for the four letter words. No, um, no spicy links here, guys. No, no. Just... Maybe some inappropriate adult humor because I have the mind of a apparently 14-year-old boy and, you know, all of the cuss words. All of them. Not just one. All of them. So yeah. cuss words, the F word, not your jam. That's okay. But this podcast probably is not for you. <laughs> I should. That's just. So uh, with that, we'll jump into it. The Pirates. Okay. So you didn't Obviously. pick Kutch. You didn't pick Kutch. Okay. Who, who did you pick? 
Jack Swinski. Ooh, I think I have a nickname for Jack Swinski, but I'll let you tell us about him first because I don't know anything about him and mine is not a very nice, it's, I'll let you tell him, tell us, tell us about him first so that I feel bad about my nickname. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, now I'm like super interested about this. It's going to lead into actually one of the free agent signings that we're going to talk about today. So, okay. Okay. All right. I like this. All right. So Jack Sawinski, if you guys are not super familiar with the Pirates organization and really like, why would you be? Um, Unless you're, you know, from Pittsburgh, but uh, Jack Sawinski is a 25 year old uh, outfielder, lefty outfielder from, from Chicago. And apparently he's always, always wanted to be a ball player, according to a second grade career day. Nice. When he grew up, oh, he was going to cute. be a baseball player. And I, I kind of love that because I, I was listening to a podcast one time and they, they were talking about like literally the odds of being an MLB player yeah. is less than like 2% or something ridiculous. Yeah. I actually, you know, I just looked it up because... I just think this is such a relevant like point of context for a lot of things. Uh-huh. There have only been a total of 20,532 major league baseball players ever. That's like less than that's half of what would fill Dodger stadium Yeah, that have ever played major league baseball. Like it just puts so much in perspective anyway. Yeah. So obviously, you know, that this is a, you know, math pod and um, I am, I am that Asian to do all of the maths. Not And so, I, but the, I mean, the fact that, you know, this second grader, like how old are you when you're in second grade, six, seven years old, seven, like yeah. says, I'm going to grow up and be a major league player. And then he does. And I just, yeah. I love that. So um, he actually committed to Indiana university, but then said, JK, I am, I'm going to get drafted. And so in 2016, he was drafted by the Padres hmm. 15th. In the 15th round, he was the 444th draft pick. Yeah. Wow. So um, I want to say that there are, I don't think his round exists any longer. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> like, is it 12 rounds that they do now? I think so. Yeah. So they they probably wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't. Have yeah. So he, that. so someone, someone fact checked me on that and please put it in the comments and let me know. I'm I'm doing this off of off of the top of my head, and you know that's that's not the greatest place to uh, store information if you're me. So um, I just know that there are less rounds to get drafted. So, but anyways, he was the 444th draft pick in the 2016 um, draft, and he signed for a uh, measly $550,000 signing bonus. And I say that kind of tongue in cheek because for like normal people, that you know is a nice little half a million dollar payday but you know in the lens of mlb it is smaller but you know the fact that he was that far down i guess and still got a signing bonus is still remarkable so um in uh july of 2021 he was traded from the padres in a three-person trade and i'm going to pick my book up and read it because i I'm afraid that I'm going to mess up these names. Um, but it was him, Tucapito Marcano. Hmm. I think that's how he said it. And Michelle Milanado uh, for Adam Frazier and $1.4 million. Hmm. 
So Padres okay. got Adam Frazier and the Pirates got Jack Swinski, Tukapita, and Michelle. And you know. Um, so then in November of 2021, the Pirates added Jack Swinski to their 40-man roster in order to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. Hmm. There's lots of like little intricacies about the Rule 5 draft. I'm not going to go into that right now. But basically they had to put him on the Rule 5 draft or else other clubs were able to pick him up. So just very brief overview overview about that. So basically if you're put on somebody's 40-man so that, you know, the clubs think that you're important enough to save, it's a good little feather in your cap. Um, So in 22, April, April of 22, from double A, from double A, never played a game in triple A. He made his major league debut. Nice. And I was like, I read that. And I, and I remember thinking, I heard that. And I like way back in my, in my mind in the recesses. And I was like, I think I heard that like when I was watching a random pirates game. Um, But the fact that like, he literally had never played a triple A game. And I was like, what does that say about your triple A that like, no, you couldn't bring anybody up from your triple A team to fill in. You had to like go all the way down to your double A, but I don't know, maybe he was, he was balling out. Um, at that point in time, I think he actually was balling out. Uh, but Brian Reynolds and Cole Tucker apparently had gone on the uh, COVID COVID list. And so he was the starting right fielder versus the Brewers for his opening game. And he had a two out single for his first hit. And I was like, Oh, Look at you, Jackson Winsky. Love that for you. He hit his uh, first home run versus the Dodgers. We love that. Uh, May 9th. In, on June 4th, he had a walk-off home run versus the D-backs. Mm-hmm. All right. And then on uh, June 19th, he had his first multi-home run game versus the Giants. Yeah. Um, not only, you know, was it his first multi-home run game uh first pirates rookie to hit three count them three wow home runs in a game since uh andrew mccutcheon in 2009 hey we knew we'd bring touch into it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so some some good company there to you know to be to be in uh so He was also the second Pirates rookie to hit two walk-off home runs in one season. Apparently, Wally Westlake was the first one in 1947. I was like, "What?" Wally Westlake. Yeah, household name. I don't. I don't know why that that name is not familiar with you. Um, So, unfortunately, though, that kind of concluded his little (laughs) awesomeness in um, the MLB for for a little while because. He apparently in 72 games slashed only 198, 288, and 428 with 14 home runs, 25 RBIs, and 72 games. So they demoted him to the AAA level. Imagine that. Like, what? A double A guy? Sometimes you gotta go. Not coming up and I'm like, come on, you know, guys. But, um, you know, so he ended his season, the 22 season in AAA. Um, but the 23 season, he was back up on the opening day roster. And on April 29th, he hit his first career Grand Slam nice. against the Nationals. I bet you $1 million, Kelsey, that you cannot guess the pitcher 
that he hit his grand slam off of from the nets. It wasn't Patrick Corbin. Nope. Was it a position player? I have no idea because I don't recognize this name at all. I got no guesses then. Hobie Harris. Huh? Yeah. No. I was like, it's Hobie Harris. No idea. Um, so he, it may have been a position player because uh, that game, the Pittsburgh Pirates won 16 to 1 in wow. a doubleheader. And that was game two of the doubleheader. Oh, yikes. Yeah. So it, it very well may have been. Yeah. Um, on May 29th, he became the second player ever to hit two home runs into McCovey Cove at Oracle Park. In the same game. Nice. Oh, that's always epic. That's like such a moment to hit it into uh Mojave Cove. Oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, the other player that's ever done that? Barry Bonds. No way. Barry Bonds is the only other player that's ever done that? Yep. So um, that's insane. Barry Bonds, who did it twice in 2000 and 2002. Oh, my gosh. How cool. So, so his name is is floated up there with Andrew McCutcheon and Barry Bonds and, Barry Bonds. and Jack Sawinski. Like, of course. You're like, oh, all right. Uh, he's also the ever first ever visiting player to perform the feat. Yeah, nice. yeah. I was like, wow. All right then. Um, the Pirates ended up unfortunately losing that game, four to fourteen. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. So, but he ended the season um, slashing 297, 413, and 656. 656. Yeah. FYI, in case you're wondering why I keep emphasizing that 656 number, that's because that is his slug. And basically, if you if you slug 500, you're a really, really, really good power hitter. Okay. So he is a good power hitter because um, he is the Pirates home run leader for the 2023 season. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. Jack Sawinski. Yeah. So um, 26 home runs last season. And I, and if you look at Jack Sawinski, he doesn't look like. Well, this is where I'll tell you my nickname for him because, and it's also like very unjustified and very unfair. And that's why I didn't want to say it right away because I know that he is more of a power hitter but I would call him the knockoff Harrison Bader because of what he looks like, <laughs> exclusively based on what he looks like. And because like, he would always do like really annoying things, like make some great catch in the outfield that like he just barely made or get a freaking two out single or something like that against the Cardinals. And so he was just always a thorn in my side. And I, I said, who is this guy? He just looks like the knockoff Harrison Bader. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I guess maybe it is something to do with um, kind of stocky blonde guys because he he is a very scrappy um, defensive outfielder. So he's yeah. played all all three positions um, and some infield as well. And so like he he he's kind of kind of everywhere, um, but also apparently an entrepreneur. Really? Mm-hmm. He started, he is the co-founder of a business called RYP with him and um, one of his childhood friends. And they have a baseball training facility in St. 
Charles, Illinois. Oh, I don't cool. know yeah. how far. That is close. not far for me at all. Less yeah. Than so more. apparently it's like 30 minutes from Wrigley, I guess. So, yeah. You know, yeah. It's I'm not like, far at all. So, um, so he has baseball and softball coaches that, you know, in this training facility and apparently Jack Sawinski on his off days will go and you can have oh, like wow. private lessons with Jack Sawinski. And then apparently um, at Christmas time, they went and auctioned off hitting lessons with Jack Sawinski for a local charity called Helping Hands, which is a nonprofit dedicated to helping children's children's children and adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And so for their Christmas gala, they auctioned off um, hitting lessons with Jack Sawinski. And apparently like he just goes and he will volunteer his time, but like secretly kind of like under the radar. Yeah. So that people don't like know about it. Jack, what a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, I'll never call him the knockoff Harrison Bader again. <laughs> so I, I, I think he gives off a little bit different, different vibe from, totally. from Harrison, Harrison Bader, like not, not knocking Harrison Bader, but Harrison Bader oh, kind of has that like, fuckboy mentality absolutely and jack so, is obviously a better hitter too than harrison bader so i'm not yeah <laughs> so you know. learn about him yeah so you know if first by per chance you are you know looking for a pirates game and you're like hey who is that guy out there that kind of looks like harrison bader? not harrison bader jack swinsky that's a really good one because there were so yeah. many interesting things about him. And obviously he's one to watch for sure. If he's already got himself in company like McCutcheon and Barry Bonds. Yeah. But yeah. because he's on the, just because he's on the pirates, he's like under the radar. Exactly. And then he's still so young. He's been yep. up and down a couple of times. That's yep. a really good and one. So in case you ever need a random bar trivia fact, or if you want to go take hitting lessons in St. Charles, Illinois, like, there you go. Hey, I might yeah. look into making a fool out of myself for that. Right. Jack's going to be there. <laughs> YouTube, YouTube material for sure. Get all oh, of the yeah. content. See, content. All of the content. Mm -hmm. What we'll do for content. Exactly. So okay. tell me, Kelsey, who was your guy? Choose so yours. I went with Noah Gibson Naylor, also known as Bo Naylor of the Cleveland guardians. And I did not know much about him. He was not on my radar. And in fact, I picked him because I was like that Bo Naylor, that's not Josh Naylor. It's not, there is another Naylor. There's actually more than two Naylors even, but we'll get to that. So Bo Naylor was born on February 21st, 2000. He is from, Ooh, let's see if I can say this Mississauga, Ontario. Not sure if that's how you say it, let me know. Uh, but he played for the Canadian National Junior Baseball Team in Ontario, and he appeared in the Under Armour All-American Game and the Under-18 Baseball World Cup held in Ontario in 2017. He actually played a lot of different youth tournaments growing up at the Toronto Blue Jays Stadium at Rogers Centre. He committed to attend Texas A&M University to play college baseball, but he was drafted by the Cleveland Indians in the first round with the 29th pick in the 2018 draft. So he signed with Cleveland rather than enrolling at Texas A&M for again, kind of a measly $2.5 million signing bonus, even as their, their first round pick, but you know, he got something so good for him. 
Naylor spent the 2019 season with the Lake County Captains, which is the single A team for the Indians, not too far from where my husband grew up. So I've been told I'm going to go to a captain's game soon. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Over 107 games with the captains. He batted 243 with 11 home runs and 65 RBIs. In 2021, he is up in double A with the Akron Rubber Ducks. Another great name for a team that I didn't know existed from Akron, Ohio. Uh, He slashed only 188, 280, 332 with 10 home runs and 44 RBIs over 87 games with the Rubber Ducks. So maybe a little bit of an adjustment period there in in double A. In June, Naylor was selected to play in the All-Star Futures game in that 2021 season. Then in 2022, he's still with the Rubber Ducks. He had a 271 average, so definitely started to figure some stuff out. 898 OPS and six home runs. He was promoted to the Columbus Clippers, the AAA team, in June. So the there is one of these. There's one of these um, AAA teams that are the Trash Pandas. Eh, I don't remember yeah, where. Or... Yeah, it's one. Of, I think it's a West Coast team, but yes. <laughs> but they're the Trash Pandas. I was like, that is the best fucking like name really ever. Is. I want to be a trash man. <laughs> My husband and I actually have decided once we get to the Phillies, I'll have to dig into this a little more. Uh, but we have decided that we are Iron Pigs fans, which is like oh yes, because they have like all these bacon theme nights and stuff, and yeah, they just seem really fun. They do a great job over there. Shout out Iron Pigs. Anyway, the Guardians selected Naylor's contract on October first, twenty twenty-two. They added him to their active roster, and he made his major league debut the same day against the Kansas City Royals as a defensive replacement at catcher. He is a catcher. He made his first start the very next day. He actually played for the Canadian national baseball team in the 2023 World Baseball Classic as well. Pretty cool. I I missed him there too. I guess Team Canada wasn't super high on the highlights, but No, no. He was actually optioned to start the... 2023 season back with the Columbus Clippers, but he was promoted to the big leagues on June 17th of the 2023 season and became their primary catcher at that point. So I think his defensive upside and the potential at at the plate brought him up and they're just like, let's, let's give him a go in his first 38 games after his June 17th promotion, which uh, spanned through August 18th. So first 38 games up there, he hit only 183, 21 hits, four home runs, 14 RBIs with five doubles and a 602 OPS. But then kind of like he did with the rubber ducks after he came up and needed half a season, but like really turned it around, added almost a hundred points to his batting average in his second season in double a he's got it. He's settled in on from August 19th through the end of the regular season of 2023. He was one of the premier catchers in the league in his final 28 games of the year. He hit 321 with 26 hits, eight doubles, seven home runs, 18 RBIs and a 1.113 OPS. Wow. Yeah. His OPS in that span actually led the American league in a minimum of 90 plate appearances and ranked second in major league baseball only behind Marcelo Zuna of the Braves for OPS. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he also led MLB primary catchers with a minimum of 90 plate appearances in both on base percentage with 434 and slugging percentage of 679 in that last half of the season. 
This is one of the most fun facts that I found about Bo Naylor so far in his career, his very young career. On August 25th, he hit a game-tying home run against the Blue Jays in his first at-bat at Rogers Center in Toronto, which was just a half hour from where he grew up. So, like, he had played so many youth tournaments there. I think they said his most recent youth tournament was, like, not even five years before he ends up hitting this home run <laughs> in the major leagues. And it's a game-tying home run. Right. Nonetheless. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, like what a moment. So he goes on to, they go on to win that game four to one and Bo became the first Canadian to hit a home run in his first at bat in Canada. So he's he's in the record books already as well. Now you might know Josh Naylor, which is where I was like a little confused Probably. when I saw another Naylor. Why, why is that name sound so familiar? Right. Yeah. Well, Bo Naylor's older brother, Josh Naylor, he he also plays for the Cleveland Guardians. How crazy is it that they play for the same team even? Mm -hmm. yep. I know this has happened before. Obviously, the Giants have twin brothers who are pitchers, but crazy. So Na Josh Naylor started as a first baseman. He's also an outfielder. But, but also... They have another brother, Miles mm -hmm. Naylor, who was drafted by the A's in 2023 yep. as a third baseman. And he's yeah. currently with the A's single A affiliate. And apparently, <laughs> apparently baby brother is the best out of all of them. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's how the Molinas are, right? They had three yeah. brothers and Yachty was the youngest and, and was definitely the best. That's just wild to me. <laughs> Yeah. Like, again, we just said, that's why I think I was thinking about that statistic that I had heard, um, that there was just over like 20,000 players who have ever even played Major League Baseball. And that counts mm -hmm. like Drew Maggi, who came up, you know, and played in two games or whatever. Mm -hmm. it's every player who's even played a day in Major League Baseball, mm -hmm. there's just over 20,000 of them. And three of them are in the same family. family. Yeah. Yep. In this span of this five-year span of time. It's insane. Yeah. Anyway, Bo Naylor is one to watch. He is going to be the starting and primary catcher for the Guardians in 2024, and they are very high on him, very excited about him. He's obviously done more than enough to uh, finally earn the starting job on opening day, and now he's just looking to prove that he can be a true impact player, which the Guardians truly believe that he's going to become. I found an interview here with the president of baseball ops for the Guardians, Chris Antonetti, who is quoted saying, I think that was one of the highlights of our 2023 season is the way that Bo transitioned to the major leagues and the year he ended up having. He didn't have the results immediately, but I think what we were able to see is he was able to learn from those experiences. And by the end of the year, he put together a really, really good year and was one of the most productive catchers in all of baseball from July 1st on. And that's why I'm excited to watch him now because I, the Guardians, again, are kind of another one of those teams that unless you're following them specifically or even if you're an American League fan and your team plays them a little more frequently, those guys might be on your radar. But Bo Naylor was just not on my radar at all, and I was super excited as soon as I started learning about him. So keep yeah. an eye out, Guardians in 2024. Yep, for sure. So fun fact, um, are the Astros – dynamic rookie catcher we were we got from the cleveland then indians cleveland guardians oh yeah um in a trade for our then center fielder miles miles straw so they got miles straw and we got phil maton and yiner diaz 
Mm. And they basically were like, yeah, fine, you can have Yiner because they were so high on yeah on, on bow they were Ooh. like yeah, okay yeah we got we got bow we we don't need yiner okay and, and we're like hey thank you thank you we appreciate you yes you so like, well, if you're over developing catchers great send one yeah. over well i think it's cool too because steven boat who is the new manager of the guardians is a catcher as well and i just think with like the resources that he will have available to him it's going to be really cool to to watch him just take off now mm -hmm. yeah i'm 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 super interested in that team. And then um, like side note, like other tiny, I guess, note of the Cleveland guardians um, are our beloved Michael Brantley, Dr. Smooth, uncle Mike yeah. that came up with the Indians now guardians organization just retired. Yeah. And like that. So if you're not familiar, you know, if you're new to the new around here, uh, I became a baseball fan in 2018. Um, 2019 is when Michael Brantley came over to the team. So he is like our first, my first guy to retire actually like from the game. Yeah. I legit teared up when I, like when it came across like my Twitter feed that Michael Brantley like actually retired. I'm all, oh, what? And it wasn't like a surprise because he had been battling health issues this last season and all that fun stuff. And so it didn't come as like a super shock to, to any of us, but it, it still kind of hit me in the feels. I was like, oh yeah, God, Michael Brantley. And so, yeah, it's, it was, uh, it was interesting to go and watch highlights of Michael Brantley's career in not an Astros uniform. And the fact that all of these people came from the guardians, like organization that I wasn't really aware of, like Francisco Lindor, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and so just, just all of these, all of these like ex Indians slash guardians players, it, I, instead of working, I, you know, just watched five minutes highlights of like Michael Brantley's career and just all of the people that came from there and like Terry Francona just being the most ridiculous, super awesome manager. You're like, oh my gosh. So guardians. Yeah. Yeah. They've got the on the field part figured yeah. out for sure. And the way that they're running things up top is 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 maybe what has not set them up, you know, for long term success. But yeah. it is really cool to see what they're able to do year over year. And Michael Brantley, I mean, good for him. He has young kids, and that was ultimately mm -hmm. I think a big factor of him deciding yeah. to retire. We always love to see when they're able to kind of take that power back and and go out on their own terms. So yeah, yeah, congrats to him. Yeah, and that, that, I'm like, and that wasn't on our sheet, and I totally that's that's my bad. Yes, no, that's my fault. I, I totally no, no. forgot to put it on. I just hit my mic too. Sorry. <laughs> Watch out, everybody. All right, we're we're fired up about it. Oh, but um, also before we move on, because we were talking about this, I did fact check us, and there's actually it seemed like it was a drastic cut in draft picks. It was, mm -hmm. but there used to be 40 rounds. Now there's 20. So oh, there's 20 okay. rounds. I think they only televised the first 12. Okay. Um, so that's where like the, I was like, I knew the there's the number somewhere kind of lost, but yeah. yeah, there's 614 players that end up getting drafted. So, okay. so he would have still Jack Swincy would have still been drafted, but very much towards the end, like holding his breath. Yeah. Hoping oh, for it. Fingers crossed, yeah. Thank yeah. you for, for, uh, letting me know about that. I appreciate that. I am Again. a Google connoisseur. <laughs> what can I say? Um, yeah. So, uh, like I said, we want to start the show off on a, on a high note and tell you about all the good things. Um, but unfortunately, we have to tell you about the trash bags. And apparently that's what we're going to call this next segment, <laughs> the, the trash bag segment, because 
apparently there's some some goings-ons about about things uh trevor bauer is going on an apology tour i guess i i don't know i just i don't I don't like him. I don't want him on my team. I don't want him on anybody's team. No. It's and, interesting, right? Because for the first time, we're actually hearing him pretend. I, I shouldn't even say that. I mean, he is, he is, he is supposedly taking accountability, but like in the most like least way possible. Yeah. He's like, I guess I made some things difficult for some people, and I should maybe try to do better. When before he's just like, I'm the victim, I'm the best ever, and no one appreciates me, and I just keep getting attacked. Gee, man, we hear things like that from a lot of other places, and it's not great. Right. But uh, yeah, we Susie and I both agreed that like we have a hard time giving him airtime, and we don't want to get too far into it because there is like it's not a point of conversation or debate. It's just kind of like he's out there. He's trying to change the narrative. He's given it one last shot because no one is interested and, and no one is going to touch him with a 10 foot pole. And we appreciate that about major league baseball and the fact that they're holding a, a certain standard and yeah, he's, he's going to keep popping up in our Twitter feeds and I am going to keep muting him because yeah. I just don't even, I don't need to hear about it. And I think as soon as the season starts here, we will not hear about him and, and I'll be happy about that. Yeah. So if that is something that you are interested in or want to know about, please do your own research about that. Um, I, we, we just, no, no, thank you. That's not what we want to do here. Um, and so unfortunately other and other news, um, shortstop for the Rays, the literal only player that the Rays have ever given big money to apparently is, a trash bag of a human being and more details have come out about his quote unquote inappropriate relations. And I put that in like air quotes because that's, it's just um, trigger warning. I guess I should probably, I should probably put the trigger warning on this um, uh, before I, before I say any of the allegations. And uh, it, it has been reported that he at the time had kidnapped and held against her will uh, a 14-year-old child. I mean, say what you will about age and all of that. Like, that is a child, that she's a child. And 14 years old and uh, basically raped her for two days and then paid her mother in order to continue seeing her and having a relationship with Said, yeah, it's like like as if that um, is the way that you receive permission. Yeah, like it's somehow okay. Mm -hmm. And um, and then apparently hit Wander Franco's mother. Apparently paid the the girl's mother. And uh, let I mean like let's just call it spade a spade. You basically prostituted your daughter. Is 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 what's happening right now. So, um, the mom is a trash bag. Wander Franco, you should just not be a baseball player any longer. And the fact that there, that the the judge on this case is allowing Juan Franco to come back to the United States on the condition that he goes back to the Dominican every month to check in. That why I don't even understand yeah, why, what the really fuck is going on. 
I don't know. He's definitely going to continue to be on administrative leave, at least for the time being, until he is, you know, likely convicted of something, I would assume. But even then, even if he's not, similarly to the Bauer situation, you will not see him back in Major League Baseball when stuff like this, when it's that you're that close to something like that. Again, the, the conviction is is the formality at that point. And I think that's the thing that some people don't understand is like maybe dig into the legal system and see how those things work. Yeah. If you, you know, want to use that to back up any kind of argument against it. But again, yeah, we're not here for any kind of defense of of that kind of, of being anywhere near that kind of behavior, let yeah. alone as close and as convoluted as it's gotten. So we're covering it because to not to not cover it and to not talk about it is to ignore it. And that's not helpful either. But these are not the kind of men that we want put on a platform of any kind. And yeah, unfortunately, it's just come out to be even more horrific than I think we could have possibly imagined in this Wander Franco case. Yeah. I, I just I I have a hard time being OK with with people trying, trying to defend him and, and saying, oh, well, he's, it's not like he's that much older and he's, stop, just full stop, just full, full stop. Um, just, just let you know, like, if, if that is something that you are saying or, and whatnot, and I should, I shouldn't judge and that makes me, I guess, a bad person or whatever, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to massively judge you as a just a bad human being um because at, at no point in time should you look at this situation and be like oh yeah that, sure no that's okay that's it's not yeah. it's there's not yeah there's no circumstances that make it okay and i will say actually when this first came out because it was over the summer it was like august mm -hmm. right maybe july yeah. or august and when i first heard about it like a friend texted me about it and was like oh my gosh have you heard about this and she sent me like a screenshot that had like the picture of the girl who very much does not look 14 in the Correct. picture anyway Correct. and my first thought was like I, literally my first thought was wow i you know like i hope he wasn't misled like how difficult that could be for these guys and that is absolutely something that happens like 100 mm -hmm. every freaking hotel that they go to every place their salary is public information yes mm -hmm. there will always be people out there that are looking to exploit anyone in a position of power with money but that's that is their responsibility that they take on the second that they walk into this life or any of us like mm -hmm. it doesn't make any of it okay it doesn't justify any of it. People are always going to be after money one way or another. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay to beat someone up because they asked you to beat them up. It, it, it's still wrong. It's still illegal. It's still assault. Anyway, I'm not by any means saying like, like my initial, you know, you get one headline and you're like, wow, trash bag. It's like, right. you know, these are hard facts. And yeah. well, and considered all. And if by some chance or whatnot that he was misled at the at the start and you know she she presented herself of age and then afterwards told him oh yeah just kidding I'm, I'm 14 at that point in time you say, oh oh my god okay and then and then you stop you stop said relationship or what there are ways nope. to handle that 
as well um, put him in this situation. But the fact that the literal quote says, my girl, if my team realizes this, it could cause problems for me. It is a rule in all teams not to talk to minors. And nevertheless, I took the risk and I loved it. Okay, like, first off, there's lots to unpack in that whole thing. Yeah. Like, what? Why Gross. is it a rule that you shouldn't talk to my... Side note, it's a fucking law, guys. Like, it's a rule? No. It's an actual, it's an actual fucking law. law. Here um, and in the Dominican Republic, by the way. Not, yeah. not different. Okay. Um, but the fact that he knew, he knew, and then loved it. Like, stop it. Yeah, so there's all these, this, these written forms of communication from like the WhatsApp mm -hmm. app. Um, yeah. of where, yeah, there's, there's definitely yeah, that's, that's evidence, where these hard evidence. These, yeah. Mm -hmm. We're getting these screenshots and, um, actual, actual quotes that are, that are, that are coming out. And then, and then he, he literally says that he, he should raise her. Oh yeah, that was creepy as shit. That all of that stuff was so Okay, let I'll 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 just I'll read you I'll read you the uh extract. Franco recognizes that the young woman is just a girl, even asks her to let herself be raised by him in her own way. Where when she is there, she, when she is there, she demands him. I would like you to forget everything. You have learned to raise yourself my way. Excerpt from Juan Franco's conversation with the minor. Uh, in the conversation, he confesses that he loves her and he was willing to give her one last chance, but he demanded exclusivity for the minor who was supposedly in another relationship. The young woman asked him how he would raise her without love, without respect, to which the athlete responded, there was more to it, but you're just a girl and you don't know how to get along with me. That's why you failed. But I give you one chance. You should be just for me. Don't look at anyone else. I know you've been with someone else, but no one will know how to use you the way I want and and give you. Grooming 101. Disgusting. So like if, I'm literally queasy listening to you read that. If for some reason you didn't know any of those facts, maybe now you do. Yeah. And if you still defend him, uh, we, I, nope, mm -mm, I, I can't just, no. We were talking just about that too, that sometimes the, there, there is like misunderstanding based on which information you're taking in based mm -hmm. on some of these things. So, and my only advice with that would just be really careful about what you say and what public opinion you formulate. Like, it's fine to think things on your own, obviously have conversations with people around you, but before you put stuff out online about your perception of these things or defending these guys, like really think about it and make sure you have all the information. And if you still feel that way, like maybe still don't put it out there publicly. It would just be my personal opinion, but yeah. just, yeah, because there yeah. is a lot of misleading information and things can be framed in a lot of different ways to make your perception of it different. And that is the purpose of media in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but but yeah, just be careful about what you're consuming and how you're formulating your opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes.
Oh, all right. Before I barf, well, this is going to make me barf too, but yeah. like in a much less serious, <laughs> like more comical way. So whew, let's move yeah. on to the hot stove, shall we? Yes. Yes. Uh, cl palate cleanser. Let's go. <sighs> not be my ideal palate cleanser, but you know, Steve Cohen, he's always cooking up something and it's usually not something that I particularly have a taste for. And this is one of those examples. The Mets signed Harrison Bader, my hey bay to a one-year $10.5 million deal. And what's even more gross about this is, I don't know how you feel about Pete Alonzo, Susie, but Harrison Bader is former teammates with Pete Alonzo at the University of Florida, and they're like back together again, ready to ruin the baseball season for me. So what's your take on this? Um, I Okay, so for the longest, longest time, um, when Harrison Bader went over um, to the Yankees, uh, we all know my personal feelings about the Yankees. Uh, he had a mouth guard that that was like his thing. Like he, yes. I, I don't know if it was his thing when he was a Cardinal. Is that, no. was it a thing? No. Okay. So when he was a Yankee, apparently he had like a, like a hitting coach or something that was like, you were super, you were super tense. Um, and that's why you're not swinging at, as well. And he had this mouth guard and legitimately every motherfucking time he came up to bat as a Yankee, he was chewing on this mouth guard. And I swear to God, this is why, this is why God made me a small person because I wanted to literally punch him in the fucking face and like knock his mouth guard out of his fucking mouth. Every time, every fucking time. We're not promoting time. violence, but okay. yeah, he did have um, a punchable face with that mouth guard. <laughs> it, he, and he had a much, much more punchable face with the short hair. God, Yankees, yeah. like, what are we doing with this? Do you think hair. he's going to grow his hair back out now that he's he's on the Mets? Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Um, I, I feel like it will give him much less of a fuck, fuck boy vibe. Totally. But I also agree with you that, like, he's always kind of had that vibe. Uh -huh. And it really, it's, like, borderline for me of him being more on that, like, I don't know. It's almost kind of the same as Juan Soto where like it, it does annoy me, but at the same time, I'm like, but you're really fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely, he's not someone that I ever think like I would actually get along with in real life. Like absolutely <laughs> not, but he's really fun to watch. And he does seem like a, like genuinely like a good teammate. Yeah. So I think that's why it bothers me. less. Yeah. Too. And again, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that Harrison Bader is, is an actual fuck boy. That's not definitely not we what I'm saying. Know, he, just, he just gives off. He just gives off that vibe. Like he yeah. just gives off that vibe. And if you've ever watched, if you've ever watched him play, you understand what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, you get but, it. But the, yeah, he, he, him and that mouth guard, God. The mouth guard is called the air wave. I, I looked just, it up because I was like so curious about it. And I'm very into like fitness and functional movement and all of that stuff. And I very much believe that like breathing and yeah. the way, I mean, every little thing, cause even as a, a singer and an actor, like your body is your product and like little tiny adjustments and things can make a huge difference, especially at an elite level. So I'm super interested in it. I've actually considered like trying to get someone from the company uh, <laughs> on my podcast to interview. So stay tuned. Maybe I'll do that because I just thought it was like so interesting, but yeah, yeah I agree that it, it was like as a as a viewer, it was distracting and it got very annoying to watch. Every, but hey, it's working for him. It, and it did. It worked like he was an astro killer. Yeah. He was an astro killer in that in in uh 20 what 21? 22? 21. 20 in the 22 post. 22. Okay. Yeah, um and 
I, I'm pretty sure he was the only guy that, that could fucking hit on that team against yeah. us. And I was like, the fucking mouth guard. Because it, it apparently, like, it relaxed him and it reminded him to not tense up or something like that. And so he was more free at the at the plate. But, yeah, I I mean, good for him for for getting this, this pillow deal. And, you know, like, he bounced around a little bit after. I want to say he was with the Reds last season as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was off waivers by the Reds. Uh, and then, I don't know, because he, he never, he didn't really hit last mm-hmm. season the way that he did in in 2022 in the postseason especially for the Yankees and he's never but he like he's not a power hitter that's where like I feel bad comparing Jack Sawinski to him because he's just <laughs> not but he is right. scrappy and the thing that I've always loved about having him like I loved having him on our team as the Cardinals is because he is a really scrappy player like he yeah even if he is struggling at the plate, like he will steal a base. He'll figure out how to make a game saving catch. Like he, but by the same token, he plays with such reckless abandon in the outfield that he's also going to be on the injured list a little bit more than you'd like him to be too. So that's been another huge part of the last couple seasons for him. I mean, he was on the IL with plantar fasciitis when he got, I'm sorry, the, the, yeah, the IL. Yeah. <laughs> the right thing. Um, when he was traded for Jordan Montgomery, and that's why it was it came as such a shock to us um, when that happened. But yeah, he's I mean he's struggled with everything from from plantar fasciitis, which can be something that's super difficult to fully come back from, and, mm-hmm. and very painful and difficult to work through, to obliques, to hamstrings, to groin strains. Like, but it's because he's throwing himself around out there and. I think maybe I've talked about this. I'm not sure if it's here or on Babes Babes before, but he does have that build too. That is obviously John Carlos Stanton is like twice the size of him in terms of height, but they have a mm-hmm. similar like body structure and build. Yeah. And even as Tyler O'Neill to where like, I think they're just, he has the the build that it is more prone to certain types of injuries mm-hmm. as well. So here's, I mean, even though he's going to be with the Mets, still love you. Hey, Bay. I hope you can stay healthy and grow out your hair. Grow out your hair, man. Live your life. Grow out your hair. Get some facial hair. Do it all. Do it all. I I will. I'll be looking forward to that. Not gonna lie. Looking forward to that. Um, but they also breaking kind of news, I guess. It's the best sound ever. Uh, Sean Manaya. They signed Sean Manaya for two years, twenty-eight million with an opt-out after the first year. So he had kind of bounced around in the Giants rotation as a starter and then kind of as the long man. Um, but he ended he ended his Giants tenure with a 4.44 ERA. So he kind of hopefully has a bounce back year. Fingers crossed. Um, side note, I was listening to a podcast about the, the Oakland A's. And that 2019 Oakland A's team, do you mm-hmm. do you remember that 2019 Oakland A's team and like how fucking stacked it was? Yeah, Sean Manaya was on that. Frankie Montas was on that. Um, the two Matts, Matty O, Matt Olson, and Simeon, Matt Chapman, Marcus Simeon, yeah. um, Liam yeah. Hendricks was on. I was like, oh yeah, totally, totally forgot about the, yeah that team. I'm like, you look at that team and you're like, how the fuck in the, how? And apparently they offered, um, can't remember if it's Matt Chapman or Matt Olson. It was one of the mats. They offered one of the mats, like a seven year 
$75 million contract or something like that. Like kind of, oh no, 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 I'm sorry. A hundred million. Yeah. They, uh, they also did the, something similar with Marcus Simeon. But apparently that, that, that contract with Marcus Simeon, it was like deferred money, but it was like, Oh yeah, it was. It was, was going like to pay him like, yeah, yeah, but like a million dollars for like literally the rest of his life. Yeah. And so the podcast I was listening to was saying something about if, like, if you know, whichever man it was, and like Marcus Simeon had signed those contracts, would the athletics trajectory be any different? And the guy that they were interviewing was like, honestly, you know, I think all of the players saw the writing on the roll, writing on the wall, and it would not yeah. have changed. And they, they were like what are we doing here no but yeah so, tiny tiny side note about that i'm so sorry i mean it's just such attention. a good example of how the organization and again it has to work from the top down like it really yep. is so impactful because you can have players like what you just listed where you can put all the best guys together and it's still not be enough yeah so but yeah two years 28 million and, you know, and he's still relatively young. So hopefully he can have a bounce back because he's he's never really been that that kind of ace pitcher that he was when he was with the A's. Right. So um, I don't, you know, I don't when know he, if that was. He was a lot more productive, I think, out of the bullpen for the Giants. I think I was reading that, like, his, his ERA in his first, like, seven or eight starts was, like, over seven, like, closer to eight. But then – second half of this year, maybe in the past couple, last couple months of the season when he was primarily coming out of the bullpen, but you know, having some longer stints out of the bullpen, his ERA was like 2.27. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who knows? It kind he kind of reminds me of a, a Steven Matz a little bit. Oh yeah. Little, like mm-hmm. having, having similar sorts of struggles with a similar level of potential. So yeah, let's see what he can do. With the Mets, I am oddly rooting far less against the Mets now that there's the Dodgers to root against. So, you know, <laughs> we're going to we're going to talk about this in in, in a, I don't know, at, at some point in time. But, you know, at, at, at some point in time, are the are the Dodgers going to take over that mantle of like, quote unquote, like most hated MLB team from from the Astros? Oh, yeah. Is that is that going to happen or is it or? Or are they just, it's just all in the same vein of like most hated. We'll see. Think about, think about that. We're going to, we're going to chew on that. So yeah. Anyways. So Mets, Mets are making moves. Mets are adding, adding things. Um, And going, um, staying in the same vein of the uh, Giants, the Mariners trade their left-handed once Cy Young pitcher Robbie Ray to the Giants for outfielders Mitch Hanniger and outfielder and right-handed pitcher Anthony DiScalfani and Cash. So Mitch Hanniger gets to go home and he was literally the most productive when he was with the Mariners. He did not do jack with the, <laughs> with the Giants. Um, is Robbie Ray there? Is Robbie Ray like the Giants big fish? I mean, we, we've talked about on, on previous episodes on how nobody wants to go with yeah i mean i still think they're they're probably actor actively pursuing one of the more exciting free agents out there i marcus strawman go get go get him giants he's waiting there for you and i think especially i mean i know they've got they've got another lefty in robbie ray and he's not going to come back till mid-season but i still think marcus strawman could be a good fit for the giants 
But yeah, I mean, he, he could be really big for them in the second half of the season, especially. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Robbie Ray is the uh, absolute present of wearing the Schmedium pants. Like, those, those baseball pants are painted, painted onto him because... I, I think he wins. I think he wins the title from Spencer Strider. Yeah, but That's Astros Astros fans will have a very very um, fond memory of Robbie Ray because he literally gave up gave up the home run that literally turned the world upside down. So we we as Astros fans love Robbie Ray. Not so much Mariners fans. <laughs> Yeah, Mariners fans, not not huge fans. He pitched less than 200 innings with Seattle after signing a five-year, $115 million deal before then he had to have Tommy John surgery, which is it's interesting to me because at this point, like, I mean, we, we saw it even in the, the nuances of um, Yamamoto's contract that, like, at this point, they just they have to be planning for these guys to have Tommy John at least once. Mm -hmm. And if you're signing a guy who I, I don't know how old he was when he had Tommy John, but the fa at that point he was over 25, you know, we're mm -hmm. like, you haven't had Tommy John yet. It's pretty much writing is on the wall these days yeah. for major league, especially starters, that that's going to be something that happens at some point. Um, yep. Maybe there could have been a little more foresight there, but not, you know, completely out of character for the Mariners to not not make the best call with something like that but yeah he takes his uh his big deal over now to the giants where hopefully it'll be he'll be able to actually give them back some of that value a little mm -hmm. bit more return around the middle of the 2024 season is his trajectory there yeah and mariners are mariners are actively shedding payroll oh yeah actively shedding payroll so um i am trying to get one of the um multitudes of Mariners podcasts peoples uh there are like 43 Mariners podcasts wow. just out there so I'm trying to get a Mariners person that is um obviously a little bit more plugged into all of the Mariners news yeah um, on the show at some point so we if if that happens we will we will let y'all know but they um so the they're either cooking something really big or not or they're just getting rid of payroll just to get rid of payroll. So we'll see. We'll see what happens because, um, I, yeah, they're just they're making they're making moves, but they kind of seem like lateral moves, but maybe not really because they also traded their um, one of their infielders, Jose Caballero, to the Rays for uh, one of their one of the Rays. I would say star outfielders, but he pretty much made himself like a household name. This, this oh yeah, in, in um, Luke Rayleigh, who plays uh, the outfield and a little bit of first base. But um, Astros fans, you guys will remember Jose Caballero as literally like the rookie that basically stepped to like Martin Maldonado and um, Fromber. Like I remember watching a Mariners game and looking at Jose Caballero being like, I, isn't, isn't he a rookie? Like what, what's happening right now? Is he not saying that, you know, as a rookie, you need to put your head down and, you know, like not have any sort of personality or anything like that. But like, he started jawing back at, at some of the, some of the veterans and you're all, D sir, do you not know your place? 
What? Also, what like, happened? who do you think you are, Ellie De La Cruz? Because yeah, he's right. not, yeah. by the way. <laughs> um, but just uh, he he plays he plays with a little bit of fire. Plays with a little yeah. bit of fire. So it'll be interesting um, to see what he does also because um, you know there's he will probably be the the Ray shortstop in 2024 because obviously mm-hmm. they no longer have a shortstop and because he is a really stellar defender. Yeah. So yeah. So um, but yeah, he he it'll be interesting to see what he does with like Jose Siri. Over there, um, for the Rays as well. Shut up, Siri. <laughs> my, phone, <laughs> my, my phone went off. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how that that all plays. Um, I guess I want to say that they have another in the Rays system. I want to say they have another young AAA guy that is maybe on the move. Hmm. I don't. You talk about Luke Rayleigh. I'm gonna look this up real quick. Okay. Yeah, Rayleigh is someone who might be a little bit more of a household name because he had a breakout year offensively. He hit 19 home runs with a 126-plus OPS. And most likely, I mean, he could even earn an everyday starting job in the outfield considering his offensive numbers and depending on how he will fit into that lineup ultimately, but could also see him being platooned with Hanniger for the Mariners' starting outfield. Uh, because there is quite a big difference there for, for both of them in their platoon advantage, meaning that they hit right-handed and left-handed pitchers better, respectively. So, yeah, he will definitely be one of their every other day, if not every day, guys. Okay. Yeah, um, that's – I was – I thought that, that that was going to be a thing. Okay, so, yeah, uh, Junior Caminero is the guy that I was that I was – thinking about in the race system that he is in their triple a system um right now and he plays third base and shortstop okay so i'm i'm thinking that they signed jose caballero to kind of be that stop gap until um junior caminero is ready to basically take on that mantle so um i was like wait isn't isn't that one guy the shortstop so yeah so Gina Caminero, just remember kind of that name as well. So it's interesting um, with those middle infielders because you can get away with a lot more of what they're lacking at the plate because of what they make up for in defense. And mm-hmm. that's just, you know, to some extent the expectation of the position. So it's a good opportunity for him to see if he can figure some stuff out at the plate to stay at the big league level. But in those positions specifically, I think it's always I really love watching great defense. So it's mm-hmm. frustrating for me to see these types of guys who uh, the Blue Jays had another guy in their system like this who came up. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but they they have these, like, they come up, they get these opportunities to, like, play at second base or shortstop because they are elite defenders. But if they can't figure it out quickly enough at the plate, they don't hang. And that just, again, goes back to that that number. They're still part of that number of right. just 20,000 guys that played in Major League Baseball for one day, but that's that's how highly competitive it is. Are you talking about David Schneider? No, um, I'm talking about this guy. He came up at the very end of the season for the Blue Jays. Mason is his first name. What is his last name? I was like, Mason Wynn? No, that's not. That's no. Not right. But, I mean, he's another – Mason McCoy with the Blue Jays. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he once they um, 
because they DFA'd Paul DeYoung and then Bobachette, I think, was hurt again. Yeah. And Mason McCoy, I think, is like 27 or 28. Like he's not, and he's been oh, wow. in play for a while, and he's just an absolutely elite defender, but never figured it out at the plate to the point where you know they keep him in the system. And he's he's got a certain level of talent, but not on both sides of the ball. And that's just one of the more recent people I can think of. And Mason Wynn is another good example of that where, like, the expectation for him, he certainly is, you know, hopefully going to figure it out at the plate. Right. We saw, we saw shades of that towards the end of the 2023 season, a little bit more than a guy like Mason McCoy. But there's still, there's a different level of expectation for, for what you're going to get out of those types of players than, you know, Jordan Walker in the outfield. And it's, he's like the opposite, right. Is we're going to teach him how to play the outfield and we're going to, you know, give up a couple more runs here and there for his learning curve because of what he can do at the plate. So, yeah, for sure. So, but um, yeah, the Rays um, pitching farm, we all know that the Rays just pump out pitchers. So the Rays trade uh, right-handed pitcher, Andrew Kittredge, to the Cardinals for outfielder Richie Palacios. Palacios? Palacios. Is that how you say it? Palacios? Yeah. Okay. Why don't you tell us about uh, Richie Palacios? Well, no. Richie, Richie is just a guy that makes me smile. Okay. Richie <laughs> got Adam Wainwright win 299. He had a couple like really stellar games where he hit. I mean, he's not a power hitter, he's a pretty little guy. He's he is very um, versatile in the outfield. Uh-huh. He can play different outfield positions, but again, he's not like he's not an elite outfielder necessarily. He's a really solid fourth outfielder, especially in the case of the Cardinals, where a lot of people were hurt at the end of the season. With uh-huh. with a different or here's the thing with a different organization, he does stand a better shot of a chance to break out. So for that reason, I'm happy, but like his energy is just infectious. He has the best smile. He's just, he has like star energy that you just want. You want all the good things for him. His brother, Josh Palacios is in the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Pirates organization. Okay. And they both played really well against each other. And it was really fun to follow their like family story. And then did the mom have like the half Jersey? Yes. Yeah, and they would. I think his dad was like switching out. Um, actually, no, his mom. This is what his mom would do. She would wear when the Pirates were batting. She would wear the Pirates jersey and the Cardinals hat, and then she would switch. She had a Cardinals jersey and a Pirates hat. She would literally switch every half inning. I love it. That's yeah. that's dedication, man. That's dedication. I love that. Yeah, um, and it seems like they have like a really fun rapport like smack talk you know amongst their right. family they, they've done some really fun interviews together the, the palacios brothers oh i love that yeah oh, so well, kittredge is uh white he's middle-aged no he's he's 34 fits right in he's got a good beard bring him over shove him in that pen in st louis we won't even notice there's a new guy vibes and ben gay man vibes and ben gay and they boil their chicken <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know, man. I mean, like, listen, he has, he has a certain skill set. He was a, he was an all-star in 2021, but like he's a raised pitcher. That's why he was an all-star in 2021. Like that happens sometimes. Somebody on the raise had to be an all-star in 2021. You know what I'm saying? And overall he has a 3.65 ERA and 101 major league appearances. He has always been a reliever. 
So uh, do I think that like he could be, he has some proven value? Of course. Do I think. Do the Cardinals need like a middle reliever? I mean, they could, especially if they don't. I think we all at this point still want them to get another starter so that like Steven Matz could be that middle reliever. But that is, you know, not like (laughs) who who is white and middle-aged and ultimately I don't think that it is that um, it's, it's not an impact move. I think for either team Mm -hmm. necessarily, it's, it's probably a fair, even exchange, but of course, as Cardinals fans, we're all looking back on Randy or Rosarena thinking about the last time we traded an outfielder to the Rays. And I think that's where the PTSD sets in. So Reggie Palacios <laughs> the next well, up, up well, and coming outfield star for the Rays is actually the announcement that we're making here today. Ah, okay, good, good. I actually right. forgot to add this on here, but uh, former Cardinals pitcher Dakota Hudson also signed a one-year deal with the Colorado Rockies as well as the former Marlins catcher Jacob Stallings. So they're both on one-year deals. I'm not sure if money has come out for those yet, but – Really interesting, uh, at least on the Dakota Hudson front, as he is a pitch-to-contact pitcher. And I, the Coors Field is not where I saw him ending up, but he did get a major league deal, which is great for him. So whatever the, the Rockies organization has planned for him and whatever they, they see potential-wise in him. Is he a ground ball pitcher? To, oh, yeah. Okay, well, that, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. That is I mean, one of those guys that like can pitch eight innings with no strikeouts. So honestly, though, that may be an actual really good move for for the Rockies then because right. it could they be say really that the good. they say that the ground ball pitchers like the the pitch contact guys have a better chance at cores. Like Lucas Giolito needs to stay far far away from from the Rockies or yeah, ground ball pitchers. Real. His one good. where like his BABIP, BABIP is so interesting because mm. you're like, wait, how, how are there no runs in this game so far? But it always ends up, it plays out over the season, you know, the way yeah. that it shows up on paper there. So uh, I don't know. I am, re- I'm very interested to watch him with the Rockies because I do think that there is a potential upside that like we're not seeing, right. you know, on the surface level there. And then Jacob Stallings is an amazing defensive catcher. He has struggled to stay consistent at all offensively, which I think is why he's not found himself on a, a bigger, longer deal, but mm-hmm. uh, he's a gold glover and I've always enjoyed watching him too. So, okay. Rockies gave me a reason to tune in. All right. Well, and, and to watch Brenton Doyle. So there was you go. Who was our first 40 man find. Um, side note, I was watching one of those Marlins. Cause he was, on, he was on the Marlins last season. Mm-hmm. Side note. So he was, he was on the Marlins last season. I was watching one of those Marlins games and he, he had hit, he had hit a ball into, into the gap or something. And something that was like a, it would have been a double, I think for like anybody else. Unfortunately it was only a single. <laughs> he's, a really, he's a really big guy, meaning like tall guy, which for, yeah. especially, you think, and he's squatting down that whole time. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know how he even walks, let alone runs. Yeah. So. So they, the, I want to say like the, the first base coach was like, run, like, run, <laughs> get into gear. <laughs> On days over there, like, can I run for you, bro? 
I love that. But yeah, they and it was it was all in good fun because he knows he's he's not fleet of foot. So, but yeah, so um, I think he is the tallest catcher in the league. Is he like six Maybe, seven or something? Not ever, but he is super tall. Now I need to look that up. Very confused by that. Like now I need to look up how how tall Jacob Stallings is. But this is these are the stats that you come to the the podcast to find right. how tall Jacob Stallings is. Six five. Yeah, I mean for a catcher. Yeah, that's that's that's, a, that's a lot of that's a lot of weight on those knees, man. That's I say weight, but like he just has really long legs, yeah. and if someone like that is how both my husband and I are built that way. We have like very long. We're not like particularly tall people, but we kind of look like we are because we have really long legs and short torsos, and that's how he is. And like I just I know how that feels on my legs. <laughs> You're so, like mm, no, don't like that. So yeah, again, certain body types are just more privy to and have you know different different challenges and different strengths and his body type is is shocking to me that he is as successful as he is as a catcher so yeah and so or like me so i know he's starting to feel it um from a from a guy that is very tall to a guy that is not so tall <laughs> not so tall at all so uh padres assigned uh Wusako, so uh for two years 4.5 million dollars as a relief pitcher from the kbo um, he is the brother-in-law of Jung-Hoo Lee yeah, and with the Giants. So sisters will be very excited about that, that they can be close-ish yeah. together, Kelly. Um, and I think for the Padres, it'll be interesting to see how that, um, I guess, relationship, I want to say, fandom. Um, mm. will happen since they already have Haas on Kim. Yeah. And now they have a, a second Korean um, baseball player. So I'm like, Dodgers are are like, cool, we'll corner the Japanese market. And Potter's like, We're, we'll corner the Korean market. We're good. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm actually having a lot more fun watching the Padres and the Mets this off season, that they're having to be strategic in the way that they just weren't last. See, that's what I hated about. And like, I was not rooting for them going into last season was it was literally just like, we have the insane amounts of money to throw around. And so for that reason, we're not going to be strategic with it. And that's why it was like, not as exciting for me and just like annoying kind of honestly in the way that the Dodgers are now, doing the same thing and organizationally the Dodgers are very different. So I feel like I can give them less shit overall for that. Whereas like the Padres and the Mets have not proven themselves to be able to build really from anything of any form of cohesion over there. But, but yeah, it is, it's way more interesting. And on like, as a fan, I'm more excited to watch the Padres and the Mets from how they're having to be more strategic with their puzzle pieces and get these guys like Sean Manea and Harrison Bader and Wu Sucko to, you know, I mean, they're having to completely rebuild the back end of their, their bullpen and yep. with guys who they're going to have to pay a lot less to. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be less successful. So yeah. that's what I think will be fun to watch play out. Yeah. I, do you think that while he pitches, the crowd will also chant his name? Like they chant Hassan Kim's name? Maybe. Um, they totally yeah. put it's the same, same syllables, yeah. same kind yeah. of thing. That so, would be really fun. Padres fans, let me know. Let me know if that's if that's in the works. Yeah, are you doing that? Because I would yeah. do that. I would I would do that. So um uh he had a 
1.8 ERA over seven seasons with 401 strikeouts, 139 saves, uh, over 368 and a third innings. So, you know, they, they are, they are signing, they're signing, signing some, um, foreign pitchers that, you know, they signed, they signed, um, Matsui a couple weeks ago. So once it gets closer to actual spring training and like pitchers and catchers reporting and whatnot, we will do, uh, uh, an episode where we kind of go over everybody's maybe starting lineups yeah. Um, just so that we all have a little refresher on kind of like who's who's where. Because yeah. I know that there's lots of kind of turnover. So, you know, we're still on the lookout for some big free agent signings. Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell. Um, Cody Bellinger, man. Cody Bellinger, Stroh. So we'll, you know, and obviously there's lots of other names that, yeah, you know, relievers and whatnot that are that are in there and there's some been some minor league signings for for guys as well but um once that gets closer to like i said pitchers and catchers reporting we will do an episode yeah for y'all so you can make a we'll make a spreadsheet maybe oh yeah we're gonna need one yeah so um but yeah that we talked about the the Braves and Anthopolis Island and what Alex Anthopolis is is uh is cooking on his murder board but it's basically come out that essentially, essentially, the Red Sox are basically paying the the Braves yeah. um, to take Chris Sale off their hands. Yeah, I don't get this. I'm not going to lie. This is where the, it's, the, the red lines have crossed too much on the board for me. This one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I thought it made sense. The trade, the initial trade made yeah. sense. Chris Sale is relatively expendable in the sense of like if he if he isn't good yeah. if he's not good in the clubhouse even like yeah you know easy, well, easy so, to cut loose but this was not kind of unexpected I think I think what I think they are banking on the high upside of, oh, of yeah. Chris Sale and you know he, he has he has the stuff to be that ace when when needed in in a big game in a in a championship series and i think that that's what they're hoping they're like you know what we've got enough pitching that we can get through the the actual 162 yeah so if we need to quote unquote put chris sale you know like on the phantom il <laughs> for a little bit and you know save the bullets quote unquote yeah that is very that's, true that may be, you know, and and Chris Sale came out that apparently he he felt bad essentially for his performance in Boston. Like he's been a Boston guy like through and through, and he basically had to waive his no trade clause for this for this to be trade like, to even happen. Take one for the team, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they basically he basically I guess went to the went to the Red Sox and was like, look, I realize you know that it's a lot of money, and if if me doing this will get back a piece that can help build the Red Sox back up, then let's do it. And do so now he's no, he no longer has that kind of mantle of being, you know, like the ace for the Red yeah. Sox. And he's just kind of, I don't want to say just a guy on the Braves, but he, he doesn't have to be that. that yep. Ace. You are right. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe we, we pack him in some bubble bubble wrap and don't let him get on a bicycle. And, um, you know, well, hopefully he can stay healthy. So 
it'll it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, he makes he'll make eighteen. Well, he'll make sixteen million in twenty twenty four, and they got to your point seventeen million from the Red Sox in the trade. So mm-hmm. they are essentially not paying for him at all. And then he will make twenty two million in twenty twenty five. The deal, while it is two years, thirty-eight million in total. It also includes an eighteen million dollar club option for twenty twenty-six. Yeah. So the so maybe it is just like the. I, I think I think maybe the Braves have figured out some some sort of along with Anthopolis Island that they mm-hmm. have. I want I want to say maybe on Alex Anthopolis Island they have some sort of like youth serum some sort of something that maybe they they are they have because they also have you know like 40 year old uncle charlie yeah uh, charlie morton camp yeah Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. you know that turn i guess i said i say turn it around i mean he was pretty good for the astros uh but he has continued to be, be good um for the braves so i don't know if maybe maybe they have found some sort of something and I say tongue in cheek fountain of youth, but maybe they have found out, you know, like a workout routine or, um, you know, we, we always hear about what you put in your body, what you eat will also help. So maybe there's some sort of like special diet along with like a workout that, that maybe they, they, they have the old, quote unquote old guys on that will help the longevity of, of them. I, I don't know. That's true. It is really interesting to see how certain organizations feel more comfortable investing in certain things Mm -hmm. over others. And yeah, it doesn't, I guess, while I look at this and I'm like, this is a guy who like, and and attitude wise, like I mentioned, not being the biggest fan of him either, just because it seems like he has quite the temper. He's not Mm -hmm. been the best teammate historically. So yeah, for me, I'm just like surprised. It made sense for them to just have him kind of as that extra piece in their back pocket, but to invest in him further is weird. But yeah. to your point, Anthopolis yeah. has always got something up his sleeve and yep. we shall see how it works out. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and Von Grissom going to the Red Sox. And I think that, I think that Von Grissom will be their, the Red Sox opening day second baseman, I think. Um, yeah. The bat is very, very high for for him. Um, defense, not so much, not so much. But you know, when you have when you've had negative defensive runs saved um, from that second base, because there's no way in hell that they're going to be like, okay, Luis Urias, the job is yours. Like that, I don't. That's going to be big. So um, at this point, I think you know, having a zero wins above replacement like player there is obviously better than negative. So um, I think that the, I think they're banking on the bat. Um, Trevor story being over there, I think will help. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, well, we shall see. We shall see what the Red Sox are cooking. Red Sox fans are just not happy. <laughs> it's not happy organization. Yeah. Fans not happy with that. So, but you know, on on their on their side, they're you know thrilled that they're getting Von Grissom and thrilled. Like I don't think anybody is mad about Chrisell leaving. Like they're just like, thank God we got this guy like off of the payroll. Like not saying that he they didn't like him, but they just knew they just knew that yeah he That's was kind how of I would feel as I mean like even I know Tyler O'Neill is nowhere near like the caliber or you know at one point had the level of, in his career that like Chris Sale did, but it, I compare that only in the sense that like he is someone who I still think has a huge upside and 
I would like in theory, like to have him play for my team. But I also know that like, there is just not a path to success for him there. And same, same thing with Chris Dale. It's like, it's just time to move on. So while it might be a hard pill to swallow, it's the right one. And yeah, overall, I would assume that Red Sox fans feel that way, that it's just kind of time to turn the page. And I think there's a lot of teams fan bases right now who are frustrated. Not that the teams, I mean, the Cubs fans are going insane because the Cubs <laughs> have not done anything. I am just like chill out because they're going to do things. It's right. just not happening fast enough. And you know, that's Scott Boris's fault. Like at least I think it is. So whatever, just wait it out for Boris. Like things will happen for the Cubs, yeah. whatever. Well, they they, they needed. They needed to get their like coaching situation, their their yeah, front yeah. office kind of set. You know, they, they got Jason Kanzler from the from the Astros as their new player development guy over there. So yeah, um, they've got some really good stuff in place on that that side of things. They have the money to spend. I know that they're not as notorious. To me, I'm like the Cubs spend money <laughs> more flippantly than the Cardinals do, but they're still right. not one of those teams that like, they still spend their money the Midwest way overall. <laughs> um, but I, I, I just know they're going to do at least one or two things that like Cubs fans are going to be so ecstatic about and yeah. are going to be rough moments for me. But yeah, there's a lot of teams. I think, you know, even the Mets and the Padres who have, they're doing things. The Red Sox yeah. are doing things. The Mariners, they're doing things, but they're not doing things that the fan bases are super excited about. But, you know, the free agent class isn't the best or most exciting overall. And there's been a lot of ebbs and flows and, you know, blockers yeah. in these massive superstar contracts of Otani and Yamamoto. So it's just kind of been a weird offseason off for a number of different reasons. And I think the timing is more of the frustration than how it will ultimately all play out. Yep. Yeah. Should be a fun next month to spring training. Yeah. So, you know, um, spring training starts in 48 days, guys. 48 days. We're almost there. We're almost there. Opening day is in 81 days. 81. So where, where do the Cardinals spring train? Don't the Cardinals spring train in Florida? In Jupiter. Yeah. Jupiter. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's not where the Astros spring train. That's they will actually play, I think, their last few games of spring training in Arizona because they're opening the season in LA. So they are kind of like making their way over to West Coast time and playing the last few games there, which is which is interesting. So, you know, my mom is a Cubs fan and they spring train in Arizona as well. So we'll see. Maybe this will be the time that me and Kim Bird have to go to spring training together if we see both the Cubs and the Cardinals. Right. That and the Astros fun. all at well, once. Like if that happens, then we will definitely have, then I will definitely have to make the trek to Florida. I will let and, you know. Cause I kind of forgot about that yeah. until you just brought it up that we had, we had thought about that. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to say that, but I want to, it's in, cause Jupiter is more like further North. I want to say, cause I, it is. We, yeah. It's like we spring train and closer to my, I say closer to Miami, but like, yeah, definitely closer to Miami than. Yeah, I think they're like an hour and a half or so, maybe even a couple hours from Miami. So okay. Well, if that happens, that happens, we shall we shall make it, we shall make some sort of content. Ooh, that'd be really fun. Yes. So all kinds of good stuff coming up. Yeah. So all right. Um, well, with that, we will um because we've run long in this episode for like not many hot stove moves. We've just been We've got a lot to say about it. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, no, you know what? I'm not sorry. This, I'm not sorry. This is, You're this welcome. Is yeah. <laughs> um, 
But with that, we will uh, wrap it up. Kelsey, where can the people find you? They can find me on Twitter at KBirdTweet, which is right here below if you are watching on the YouTube. There's a link tree there on my Twitter that will take you to absolutely every other place that you can find me. But my weekly podcast is called Peace, Love, and Baseball. And if you listen in uh, for the upcoming week, you might just hear a familiar voice. We might be talking some Astros this upcoming week. So yeah, we're doing a team feature on the Astros. So if you've not listened in yet and you're an Astros fan, or if you're not and you just want to you know, learn more about each of the baseball franchises, this could be the week to check it out. So find me there at Kbird Tweets or just you know look up Peace, Love, and Baseball. Google it. You'll find it on all the podcast platforms and here on YouTube as well. For sure. So um, with that, we will say goodnight. We will wrap it up. I say goodnight. It's like <laughs> good night, good afternoon, now. good morning, good wherever you are. Right, wherever. Well, you know, maybe you're listening at night. I don't know. Um, but please, please, please give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review if for some reason you give us less than five stars, because that's just rude. But I would like to know why you gave us, you know, like a less than five star rating. And if it's related to trash bag human beings, just again, keep on moving because, you know, definitely. Um, And then uh, hit subscribe on the YouTubes. Apparently it's a big red button. I don't know. Uh, Tell all your friends because that's how we grow. And apparently all of the listeners in Japan, thank you, because we keep charting on the Japanese Apple podcast charts. I don't know where you found us, but we are very, very thankful for you. Uh, United States listeners, I need you to get get on your get on your horse. Start listening. Friends. Yes, one friend. Okay. Yeah. You know, and if that friend sends it to a friend, like that's that's what happens. There's my oh. there's my alarm to take my ADHD meds. So uh, yeah, time to go. And with that, we will wrap it up. I'm gonna find my mouse and I'm gonna hit and record. Yay, baseball!